Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Joining us courtesy of Ford, the best in Texas from out there at the star, is our buddy David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com. And So what's the deal? Is the sky still in place there at the star? Is it completely fallen? How are we feeling out there, David? Um, I feel like it's kind of the same all over the metroplex isn't it it's yeah it's it's pretty well fallen right now i feel like uh you know gray kind of rainy uh just all around uh not awesome all the say. darkness after losing three in a row and then it's overcast to boot so uh not good times um you know i don't know how you feel about well first of all i'd, I'd like to get your opinion of the mood of the team in general because I feel like we're on three consecutive weeks of man wasn't that a wake-up call we really need to buckle down and uh that's that's a disturbing three-week trend to be saying the same thing in the locker room all the time what what do you think the guys on that team think is going on right now you know I mean yeah definitely I I can say that about all of them but it was a it was a frustrated locker room up at MetLife on Sunday afternoon uh, a lot of guys, I, the, the term I came away with was just kind of shell-shocked, like, uh, you know, just as much in disbelief as everybody else. I'll be interested, you know, typically, uh, right after a game, obviously the emotions are there. And, uh, by the time Wednesday comes around and you're game, game planning for a new team and hitting the practice field, uh, you tend to shake that stuff off. I think, you know, again, I'll I'll say it for the millionth time like that's that's one thing Jason Garrett does really well is kind of keeping the focus from Monday to Saturday. It has not been translating to Sunday these past 3 weeks and even a little bit. Um but typically they've been pretty good about shaking it off and and refocusing for the next one. So I'll be interested to see where their heads are at tomorrow uh, when the locker room opens. Do you think one of the reasons the Cowboys ran the ball so much was because it's easier to run block than it is to pass block with two backup tackles? Um, I can imagine that being their thought process, but it was hard not to notice the New York Jets who employ one of the worst offensive lines in the league having plenty of success throwing the ball. I think I saw it was charted that uh, Sam Darnold got the ball out within two and a half or two seconds like 19 times against the Cowboys. Um, There are ways to throw the ball quickly and not put strain on your offensive tackles. So that might have been their thought process. I don't really buy it, Um, especially when you're down by, you know, two or three possessions in the second half of a game. So – did you think that this secondary was going to be good going into the year, and do you think that they've performed up to snuff so far? I absolutely thought they were going to be great going into the year. Um, you know, most of those guys had really fantastic training camps. We didn't see Byron; he was he was sidelined by his hip injury. But I thought Cheeto Wuzier, uh, Xavier Woods, and and Jordan Lewis were all phenomenal uh, throughout training camp, and and Jeff Heath. Uh, he he was Jeff Heath, you know. He he has his ups and downs, but he's an opportunistic player uh, more often than not. So yeah, I mean, the arrow 
was up all throughout the month of August. Um, you know, I think in terms of things that alarm me about this team, that's still not super high on the list, but they easily played one of the poorest games I can remember uh, in recent memory against the Jets. I mean, say what you will about Rod Marinelli's defenses. You know, they, they don't get a ton of takeaways. They've struggled at getting pressure at times over the years, but they don't give up 90-yard backbreakers. Uh, they, they just haven't done it very often over the five or six years that Marinelli's been calling the defense here. So uh, that was definitely troubling and, and just an all-around pretty shaky performance by everybody. Dave, you're a voice of reason. That's why we love having you on the show. Uh, but there's a lot of people upset right now, and Cowboy fans are, are, are thinking Jason Garrett's definitely on the hot seat. So in your opinion, is it possible that Jason Garrett could be fired during the bye week if he loses this game to the Eagles? Um, I mean, you know, I've I've eaten crow before when I said things weren't possible. I never would have guessed that this team would trade for Amari Cooper either. Uh, you typically don't see that stuff. I would be surprised because you're still talking about a talented team. Uh, you know, it it hasn't even been a calendar year since Jason Garrett dug them out of a three and five hole to make the playoffs. I think, you know, Jerry Jones wants to be right that that Jason Garrett is his guy and, and he's right for having faith in him over these years. I mean, and, and I'm not guessing at that. He's said it a million times. Um, so I would be surprised, but you can't I, – I don't think you can say never. Uh, it, I think, you know, you have to see the game. I mean, how do they play? How does it end? What's the result? Um all that good type of stuff, but I I put it at a litty, pretty low percentage. Even if they were to lose that game, I would I would find that pretty surprising. What is your uh, talking to David Hellman here? Uh, you read him at DallasCowboys.com every Tuesday and Thursday at this time. On this show, we spent a lot of time talking about clock management and modern football strategies and those sorts of things. And maybe we put too much importance on that. I personally don't think we do. I'm curious how you feel about all the discussion about that and whether or not you think the Cowboys are good at that. Um, no, not really. Uh, you, you're just, you're talking about like the way you manage the clock in like an end of game or end of half situation. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, you know, I, I've always said, I, I just said it, you know, I think Jason Garrett, the, the messaging and the motivation and the way he keeps his guys focused Monday to Saturday is a really strong part of his program. All, you know, clock management, um, game management and things like that. I've, I've never particularly thought it was a strong suit. Again, you know, and and you know, Jason Garrett could come back and argue with me that they ran the ball pretty well after halftime, but in a game that you're losing twenty-one to three, I, I still didn't see the logic in shrinking that game. Uh, you know, with with the amount that they ran the ball, um, and and just you know, end of half situations. You know, you go back to the the weird way the Cowboys played the end of the first half against the Packers, um, which could have come back to bite them. And and some of the decisions, you know, I know people are, are killing him for calling the timeout when they got down near the goal line in that end of game situation against the Jets. Uh, no, I'm, you know, in terms of looking across the NFL landscape, I've I've never really thought that was a super strong suit of his. All right. So just to reset here on the health watch of Tyron, Lyle, Amari, Byron, of the key contributors, the main guys, which guys will most likely not play against the Eagles? Yeah, it's I mean it's it's early. They haven't practiced yet, but it's it's hard to feel super optimistic about a lot of them. Um I think, you know, 
if if there's one guy I feel optimistic about, I guess it's Tyron Smith because he's, you know, we've said it before, he's such a, a mutant and he's he's such a tough guy. They thought he had a chance to play against the Jets and he, he couldn't quite do it, so maybe an extra week. But uh, the early word on Cooper is, is not optimistic. Ugh. Lyle Collins said yesterday that, you know, of course he wants to be playing, but he's not 100% sure that's going to happen. Um you know, I, I haven't really had a chance to get a read on Byron Jones, but when you hear hamstring for a defensive back, that's not encouraging. Uh, so, yeah, this this could be a dicey week. I think Tyron and maybe Randall Cobb, if I had to pick guys that I feel good about. But, um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting week to be watching the injury report because I don't feel super-duper optimistic about it. And it's an incredibly important game, not just because you've lost three in a row, but it's a division opponent. I mean, this might, and it's a home game. You lose to the Eagles at home. You certainly start feeling differently. So I'll go to the Autoflex leasing fan text for this one. You can always text in at 877-881-1053. David, do you still legitimately think that this is a 10-6 and six team, or has that become too difficult based on where they've fiddle-farted around? Oh, um, do I still legitimately think that? This is 7-3 from here on out. 7-3 and three from here on out. You still got... Man, you got two Philly games. You got Minnesota. You got New England. You got Detroit, who looks surprisingly good on the schedule. You got the Rams. You got the Bears. Uh, Buffalo in that defense? No, no, I, I don't, I don't think I. I mean, and and hey, they, you know, I'm, I'm happy to come on here and eat crow if they go on another run like they did last year because everybody buried them at three and five. I don't think. I don't think they're out of the playoff race because, you know, surprisingly right now the NFC East is is the worst division in the conference. So, you know, if if you can win the division at 9 and 7 or, you know, hey, going back a few years, maybe even 8 and 8, I think that would be kind of surprising, but we've seen it before. Um I think they can still win the division and get into the playoffs, but I it's hard to imagine that they're going to be a wild card with all the other teams that are playing well. Uh so like I said, they could make me eat crow and go on a crazy run like they did last year, but ten and six feels uh, feels like a pretty tall order right now. Dave, we love your work. Anything we can uh, promote at DallasCowboys.com on your behalf, sir? Um, hey, win or lose, if you want Cowboys content, we're always cranking it out. Uh, we do cover four every morning at nine twenty. We got all our podcasts rolling all day, every day. Uh, yeah, like I mean, you know, if whether they're rolling or whether they're in a stretch like this, we we do it all anyway. So come check us out if if you if you feel so inclined, we'd appreciate it. Awesome, appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Love you, right. David. There he goes. We love that guy, the great Dave Hellman. Uh, I saw this from uh, Rick Gosselin on Twitter. He said, 10 years ago, the NFL averaged 11.8 penalties or 97.3 yards per game. The NFL this season is averaging 14.9 penalties, so up from 11.8 to 14.9, and up from 97.3 yards to 124.5 yards. Goose says the more flags, the worse the game. You agree? Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. And, I hey, you know, we were talking about this earlier. At its very core, football is a contact sport, and there's contact going on constantly. It's You want, you know, receivers to have – Restrictive movement past five yards, but I, it's just it's so impossible, man. If you make it to where they can't touch each other, 
it's 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 going to move away from the things we love about it. Hey, man, there's no easy answers here. All right, coming up next, let's talk a little Mavs basketball nationally. The Mavs bandwagon is filling up. We'll talk about that next on 105.3 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right. Thank you, Shippy. It's the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Sometime this hour, we will give you the word of the hour for a chance to win $1,000. Uh, you know, we do it once an hour, every hour. So you got to be listening to the entire hour to figure out when it is and then get in the mix. And it just so happens that it's right now. Yes. The turn I it on, it. leave it on national cash contest continues each hour. We're giving away a chance to win those thousand dollars. All you have to do is text the word of the hour to seven, two, eight, eight, one. And that word right now is spark S P A R K spark. Boom. That's the word of the hour. Text it in. There you go to seven two eight eight one. It's incredibly lit, and you can have a chance to win a thousand dollars. Ben's going to take us around the broadcast, and we're going to really do a deep dive on the Jim Nance power stance that he's been breaking out on everybody, airing it out on television. But uh, <laughs> oh, down at the AAC last night, and Ben uh, Mike Fisher brought this up during the mix. The excitement is palpable. It is huge. People are really feeling that that vibe of the early 2000s when the Dirk Finley Nash thing was first coming together. It kind of feels like it's back. And I think now that we've had a couple preseason games that people might have seen, even though Porzingis is not shooting the ball well yet, I think people get it. I mean, they're seeing it. They're seeing is like, wow, look at all these wide open shots. And the shots that Porzingis is missing, and Harp said it last night, he's like, man, the guy hadn't played in a year and a half. His legs aren't under him yet. He's going to knock those shots down. There was an article that just came out in the ringer, and it was about they're doing like unicorn travel. So they sent Kevin O'Connor to uh, Mavs practice facility, and there's all these Cuban quotes and all these different things. Um, but uh, one of the things that they're pointing out in that article is that Porzingis just offensively shoots the ball at such an incredible rate that there's going to be all these wide-open shots for all these other people to eat. And Luka is such a dynamic playmaker that he's going to find them. The last time Porzingis played, Kawhi Leonard was in San Antonio and LeBron was in Cleveland. Hmm. Think about how much the NBA has changed since that. That's a long time to wait to get out on the floor. So if you really think about what you've seen in these preseason games and put that picture in the frame... You should be extra excited about Porzingis because a couple weeks from now when he has his legs underneath him, bro, he's going to be dropping 26, 27 a night. Yeah, I can't wait. And and, and really having Luka is like having Aaron Rodgers. It's mm-hmm. like having a badass yeah. quarterback. And I like I, it. I love it because when he comes around uh, you know, on that pick and roll, he just keeps the guy on his hip. I mean, yes. he and I, I was tr- talking to my son who's a little 11-year-old point guard about this and it's like, man, if you just keep your body between the defender and the ball, you don't have to be bigger or taller or faster or anything. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to have the best handles. If you're just a really good at using your body as a separator, 
And he's the best I've ever seen at that. Now, he's got a giant body, 6'7", right. 6'8", mountain of a man with a Romo body. <laughs> but, man, it's uh, it's so much fun to watch him. And at like when I talk about him being an Aaron Rodgers, he's looking for his star receiver. Like he's right. he is he is absolutely looking to get the ball to Porzingis, and it's just so much fun to watch. The play that last night that everyone was buzzing about is exactly what you're talking about. He came off a Porzingis screen. Porzingis flared out to the left, and he waited, and he took both of the defenders with him, and then he threw a behind-the-back pass that hit Porzingis just right in the shot pocket, where he just shot it, and it was he drained a three, and it was such a beautiful pass. And the other thing, too, is they're having a lot of fun together. So did you see the clip uh, against Detroit where Luka froze a guy and he dribbled in between his legs and then brought the ball back with the same hand? And it was it kind of like made the highlight round. I don't know. It's it's like a it's like a between the legs dribble with the same hand. And it just freezes guys because you're mm-hmm. not sure what he's doing. Wait, is that that move that uh, the it's, one? It's not the it's not the, not sham, the sham god. god? No, nope. uh, because it's not a crossover. But it's it's a sweet move. It's a sweet dribble okay. move. And Luca did it last week. Well, last night, Delon Wright did the same move and then flipped it across the lane for a Porzingis dunk. And then him and Luca turned each other and pointed at each other like the Spider Man meme and went ah. So it's like. Guys have fun when they're sharing the ball and making shots, and Luca is making everything fun, and it's really, really cool. Dude, he almost had a triple-double in a preseason game. And I think he played 29 minutes or something. Yeah. I don't have the minutes for 27 minutes, and he was three, what, three assists away from a triple-double. So here's the thing, Ben, that I'm really loving. I'm loving, uh, I'm loving the vibe. So this is in that Ringer article that Kevin O'Connor, they were talking about the Mavericks are bombing threes from everywhere. And it, we, we had a little bit of discussion last week about the four-point marks on their practice court mm-hmm. to try to create even more spacing. So all they're talking about, so Kevin O'Connor's in town. He's having all these conversations with Cuban, and Cuban's showing him the practice court and giving all these quotes. And you know how we were talking about, you know, I think some people are cynical about it because there's a lot of people that don't value chemistry and those things as much. Like, hey, just give me the most badasses. And that, that's cool, too. Get the best players. I get it. But I do think chemistry matters. And a big part of that is Boban. And so here's a quote from Media Day. They were talking about, and I don't know if you've seen, there's been a couple times where Boban has shot threes. Yeah. Okay. So here's what Boban said at Media Day when he learned that he too would be launching from downtown. When I hear that news, I was like, yeah, maybe I'm the best shooter. You never know. (laughs) (laughs) So it's pretty fun. And the other God. thing that's pretty fun is that I thought, we talked about this, I was really concerned about their rebounding because poor, uh, Porzingis has traditionally been a subpar rebounder for his size. So he had 13 boards last mm-hmm. night. He's been rebounding. Maxi rebounds. You'll look out there at their starting lineup, and the shortest guy is almost 6'6". So it's like, hey, let's do it as a group. Let's do it as a group. And mm-hmm. they're big. And when you have guards that rebound, your transition game is so much better. Uh, the thing that's encouraging as you take these guys and mix them together and they got to get used to new things, is that uh, Maxi Kleba and DeLon Wright had far and away their best games last night. They looked fantastic. And we've talked so much about how good Porzingis and Luca are, how these other guys got to step up and feast. Man, DeLon Wright and Maxi looked last night like the way we had kind of hoped that they would be looking. With just one preseason game left on Thursday night, I guess that is, in Vancouver. And the season starts a week from tomorrow. One week from tomorrow, we are going to be talking 
about Dallas Mavericks basketball with Luca and KP, and it's going to be freaking awesome. All right, so what is – are you still feeling like, you know, we are talking about who's going to be the third most important guy? And if we're talking about points, then that's one guy. If we're talking about just overall importance, that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about Justin Jackson. That's a guy who early in the offseason we started hearing – and there was people talking about projected lineups, and there was like people in the organization, and his name came up, and I was like, "What? I thought he was a throw-in. To, mm-hmm. What are you talking about?" And and then as the offseason went on, I was like, "No, Justin Jackson, Justin Jackson, Justin Jackson. How has he been? And do you think he'll still be one of the most important players?" I do because I think the other thing we haven't seen yet because he hasn't played because he was injured is that Dwight Powell is a big part of this offense by being a great role player. So just if you look at points per possession, which is the metric people care about. With him as a role man, he is the most efficient role man in the NBA. Now, I'm not saying he's the best. I would rather throw lobs to Anthony Davis. I'm not a fool here. But just based based on numbers, Dwight Powell's one of the elite role guys in the NBA. And you go, well, why is that important? Well, the reasons that that is important is the way that their offense is going to function with the spacing is that Dwight Powell forces the weak side defense to make a decision. And if you're a huge football fan and that's how you see things, uh, let's take us back to... Uh, the Amari Cooper drop interception that they had. That was week five, so that was when they lost to... Week six, Packers? No, yeah, Packers. So we talked about that. The safety was cleared out by Cobb on the underneath route. So think of it in those terms. When Powell rolls, there's going to be a defender back there. That's your safety. He's got a decision to make. He either does what they call a tag which is put his body in the way of the roll guy and take that away. And the second he does that, there is a wide open guy in the opposite corner with the highest percentage play in basketball. The short porch corner three and Justin Jackson is going to be standing there wide open. So if their offense functions the way they want it to, it's either a Dwight Powell dunk or a wide open Justin Jackson or Seth Curry or player of that nature three in the corner. So if those guys hit a decent percentage of those, I think league average is 35 or 36%. If that guy starts hitting 37, 38%, then you're talking about a team that's a top five offensive team in the league. God, it's crazy watching Porzingis shoot so many threes. He's seven foot three, shot nine last night. I think that's the standard. I really do. That's great. So they're going to shoot as many threes as any team in the league. Did you hit the thing? I'm sorry, I was cutting up Jerry's. I'm having this segment late. Did did you do the thing where they're talking about Rick uh, in the the Ringer article from Kevin O'Connor? Did you talk oh, about, about him adapting with about the times? how Rick? Uh, so, like, basically, Cuban is quoted in the article, uh, and it's basically saying uh, Rick's still very detail oriented, but he's uh, understanding that this is the Generation Z Mavs. Yes, and he's okay. kind of softened up a little really? bit because he's learning how to adapt to Luca's twenty early twenties and KP's early twenties. So he's adapting to those guys in the. I guess we call adapting to millennials or whatever. Oh, dude, the hardest. These guys aren't millennials. They're they're Gen Z guys. Hardest thing for Carlisle is to let the kids play on his lawn. Okay, so I, I love. I'm glad you brought that up, KT, because that was one of my favorite parts of the story. Because the idea that Rick is softening up seems ridiculous. So last night was the final home game of Sarah Melton, who's been with the team for 20 years. We talk about her all the time. She was head of PR. Last night at the end of the Rick uh, Carlisle press conference, a couple of media members gave Sarah a gift mm-hmm. in front of everybody. 
And Rick is standing here watching this, and I swear to God, Rick hugged a media member. Who? Um, it wasn't McMahon, was it? Uh, no. Um, golly, I'm blinking on the guys. Eddie Sefko. Uh, no, you guys wouldn't know him unless you're at every game. Bob Stevens. No. Oh, um, good guess. That was a good guess. Big uh, Dung Jeremy. No. Oh. But but anyways, the whole Dwayne point. Price. The whole point being, well, Dwayne Price was up there with him. The whole point being, damn, yep. this is what am, right. I, what am I watching right now? And uh, and the the other thing you got to realize about the Gen Z Mavericks is that Carlisle's daughter is five years younger than Luca. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> All right. So you know we portray him a certain way, but he's got someone pretty close to Luca's age in his house on a daily basis, and so maybe he is figuring out I need to turn this thing over to Luca. He's already comparing Luca. To Larry Bird. Okay. And let, he was teammates with Larry Bird. That is sacrilege for most older basketball guys, and he's openly doing it. Okay, so the the only concern I really have about any of this, and it's not a lot, you don't get me wrong, is just the realization of how young Luca is. He's yeah. 20 He'll now? be 21 20? in February, I think. So it's right? like, is he, you know, and he's just got this, he's been a pro for a long time. He's He knows how to ramp up his level of competition. There, there's no question, but... Does he get it? I mean, it, it's. Does he? I mean, is are they going to be able? Is that going to be a problem? Is his age going to be any issue at all? So I don't think so. And that's interesting that you asked that because last night at the end of the press conference, there was some really great questions and interesting questions where a lady and I, I didn't, I'd never seen her before, so I don't know if she was in Oklahoma City or what, huh. but was asking questions about can Luca handle all this? Can he handle it? And she started talking about. She goes, well, you know, times have changed. Like think, Rick, when you were a rookie. He goes, yeah, that was the 1984 Celtics, and they weren't building the team around me, so it's a really different right. situation. He goes, but whatever your worry is, trust me, Luca does not have the same worry. He's a 30-year-old, 21-year-old. Well, he, he just, he's bulletproof. Like, I had somebody tell me, you can't tell Luca anything. I was like, well, what about Carlisle yelling at him? He's, he doesn't even hear it. No. So, I'm like, it, on some level, <laughs> that's right. So, like, on some level, it's like, that's good. But on another level, it's like, is this going to be okay? In the very, it's going to be okay, right? Yes. In the very first preseason game of last year, I don't know if you guys remember, but the Mavericks were playing a Chinese national team. And... Uh, it's a different time. It's a different time, yeah. Uh, we, uh, but that, hey, KT, that's my belief. But as <laughs> hey, Luca, I don't want to get into a sentence war. As, Lu- as Luca was walking off the floor, Rick was yelling something at him, and Harp said, "That guy can take coaching." And I was like, well, "What do you mean?" He's like, "It ain't ever gonna bring him down." In other words, coaches will get on rookies, and he's like, "That guy right there walking across the floor is impervious." To anything, any authority figure will say to him because right. he's been a pro right. since before he could legally drive in this country. Well, it's like it's like Dirk at his charity event, and Luca was going to be there for dinner, and then he wasn't going to be there. But he was he there. He came and played tennis. But it, Dirk was like, "Luca's not here because he's Luca." <laughs> <laughs> it's so awesome, you know. And they bust each other's coconuts, obviously, and, right? But you know, it's it's something that to keep an eye on, right? But I don't think it's going to rear think, its head or be think, a problem in any way. I think Rick is savvy enough to ad- uh, adapt with the times. I yeah. don't think there will be pl- problems there. And one final note in the Zach Lowe power rankings, league pass power rankings of the most watchable NBA teams. Ooh, save it for tomorrow. Just so you don't think that we're homering this up here. He has the Dallas Mavericks as the sixth most watchable team in the NBA. Really? Ooh. Six of 30, what, 30 teams? He, the sixth most watchable team in the NBA. Who's last? 
don't know. I like Memphis, to watch a lot of their games. Memphis. Skin somebody. will watch many of their games. I've I seen them. All right, coming up next, we'll go around the broadcast. Jim Nance with a power stance. What does it mean? <laughs> and what the hell is Romo doing playing chess before the game? That's all coming up next on the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. We're also going to get back into that broadcast from this weekend. Before I do, i got to tell you guys, I'm a little bit distracted today. What's that? The new Fortnite. Oh, the new Fortnite's yeah. out. Oh, my God. I Did can't you do the wait. update? What is Fortnite? Yeah, I, I'm going to have to call my wife and have her do the update yeah, while I'm here so I can get right into, yeah, right on, into playing. Fortnite, uh, the new Chapter 2, all new Fortnite's out. Skin, are you excited? Are you oh, going to be playing it later? Wait, this is Chapter 2? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I had no idea. Uh-huh. Thought we were on 4 or 5 by yep. now. You thought it was addicting for kids or before. Oh, my God. Now they're going to quit school. Now we've sprinkled some sugar on it. Have they added boobies? <laughs> Excuse me? He's talking about Booby Gibson. There's a oh, scan yeah, yeah, of Booby yeah. no, Gibson. No, no, Booby Gibson. And they got a lot of Booby traps, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. A lot of Booby traps. Like how, do you make that, it, yeah, yeah. how can you change something and make it better? Guys, let's TNA. talk about the CBS broadcast of Cowboys Jets. <laughs> and a couple different things to get into this. Uh, guys, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this. but realized. In the 70s and 80s, just the phrase TNA. <laughs> well, it's got a little TNA in it, which means I want to see it. I don't know what that means. I'm opposed to it. There's too much TNA in it for Truth my taste. Don't to tell my- your mother I showed you this, boy. <laughs> but let me tell you something about your mother. Let my pastor told watch. me there's too much TNA in that. <laughs> wow, he was sipping on some whiskey. Okay. Uh, let's dive into the CBS broadcast of Cowboys Jets. And there was a couple of fascinating developments in this thing. Uh, Shippy, look this up if you could. Look up the Romo playing chess thing. I want to get into I need a few more details on it, though. I'm ill-prepared to talk about that. I do want to just mention it in, in its insanity. Uh, but my favorite thing from the broadcast, this is so random, was the Jim Nance power stance. And it happened at one point during the game they go to the suite in which um, the CBS broadcasters are calling the game. Romo is sitting down in his chair, very professional. And Jim Nance is sitting, standing up, airing it out. He's got one leg hiked up on a chair, <laughs> awkwardly so. And it is really hiked up. And, you know, I, it kind of... It, Sometimes you try to... Like, okay, let's say that there's a footstool nearby you. And you're like, you know what, I'm, I want to use that footstool. But it's a little bit too ambitious to use as a footstool. Maybe it's a little, it's a bad angle. It's a little too high. high, But you're like, I'm going to go ahead and use it anyways. And you know in your head you shouldn't be using it as a footstool because it's a little bit uncomfortable. But still, you've decided I'm going to go ahead and do it. He had his foot hiked up on some chair or something, and it was a little too high. It's a casual grown man standing formation. That you may go into from time to time, and you're just taking a load off. Mm-hmm. Maybe you got your elbow, your forearm on your knee, and mm-hmm. you're kind of just you know one leg up, one leg down. But it was very ambitious because whatever he was setting his foot on, it was very high. It it was somewhat uh, it was somewhat sexual in nature. Okay, so yeah, the the if you were to do that, I can only think of two reasons why he would do that. Number one, it got moist down there, and he wanted to air it out. Yeah. Or number two, his groin muscles were really tight. Yeah, and so yeah. and so tight that he had to stretch them out at that moment, or the amount of discomfort he was feeling would lead to a poor broadcast. Did you see it, KT? Uh, I did see it, and I was very uncomfortable by it. But now that I know a little more, so last night at the Cowboy Hour with Brad Sham, Taylor Stern, of course, Zeke was the the guest. 
Uh, Zeke and Brad both commented on how humid the air was in New York. They said it was very, it was just very moist. Oh, you tell. It was very hard to, here so like a, that creates a swamp butt situation. Yeah. yeah. So getting that little leverage, a little Captain Morgan stance like that can really help air things out. I think that, I think what Jim was doing was needed because what would be worse is a, is the smell throughout the day. If you're not airing that thing out. I think he's right. I think he was trying to avoid some, some jock situation. Okay, later. but that's fine. That's fine. However, skin enlighten us on how a television broadcast works. Don't they say, "Hey guys, hey guys, uh, we're going to be coming up to you guys in a second. Um, uh, we're coming up to the shot of this of you guys in the booth. Here we go, coming out in three, two, one." And aren't they, And then they show you. Yeah. They don't just randomly show no. you while you got your leg hiked up. No, and I think it kind of speaks to the idea too. And I, I'm not sure how old Nance is, but just a certain. He's very comfortable. Like it, yeah, he lives on Pebble Beach. Of yeah, course he's comfortable. Like it, like at this point, he's like he's sixty. He's like nothing's taking me down. You realize how long I've been doing this? In the voice of CBS Sports. <laughs> he's like, I don't have any Matt Lauer things in my closet. I'm good. Like I am riding the crest of this and have been doing it for two freaking decades. If I want to air out my junk right now, I can do it. There will be no backlash whatsoever. He hiked up his leg and went, we're just six months away from the Masters. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Right? Because why else do you do that? You made the reference earlier, which was genius. Maybe he was an, it was an ode to Captain Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody stands maybe like that. Maybe he was showing Captain off some Mor- pants. Like a little, maybe a little secret deal. Maybe not an official endorsement, but maybe he wanted to show off his new Peter Millar jeans. Or his <laughs> pants that he got. Or some socks. Like I could see Favre doing that in some Wranglers if he was ever in the booth. <laughs> All right. This was, uh, this was another weird story about the broadcast, which I absolutely loved. Did you find it, Shippy? I did find it. Okay, yeah. So, What'd you do with it? So before the game, before the game, Romo's in. You know, Romo's in the suite, getting ready to call the game, getting ready to have to endure the Jim Nance power stance, and the <laughs> way he, he's so competitive and he's so freaking good at everything. I saw this on Twitter, and it just stood out to me. And it's like he had a speed chess match. Which are, every time you play chess, do you hit that little thing to the timer? Okay, so I think if you're playing real chess, okay. Like, I think, you know... What does it do? Um, is there a shot clock? I mean, why does it matter? You know, I don't know the significance of that. Okay, I really so, don't. I just know whenever I've seen... I think they're com- just ordering food. Whenever I've seen competitive chess, I've seen them make a move and then hit that. Let's make it official. Bam. Yeah. Romo warms up for the game by playing speed chess against some chess champion. Yeah, he was ranked as high as 12th in the country. And then NFL on CBS says, who wins with a question mark? But I never found a follow-up on who won. Yeah, I saw I, nothing else about it besides that one I think, we, I think we know who won or else it would be a huge story if Romo just knocked out number 12 in the country <laughs> before a game right quick. I they give were, up golf. I'm a chess guy now. They yeah. were going toe-to-toe. Very fast. You're Very right. Very fast. Romo was not intimidated by the number 12 U.S. chess champion. No, I was super impressed. Do you guys remember the Jonah Hill story on Kimmel? No. Okay, so Jonah Hill was on Kimmel about a year or so ago, and Jonah Hill knows nothing about sports. Yeah. Nothing. And he was but talk- he knows who Tony is. Well, he knows who Tony is because he was with friends who told him who Tony was. Because he was with friends, and they bumped into Romo at a Starbucks, and he brought it up because he knew that Kimmel was friends with Romo, and he said Romo never looked up from his phone because he was competitively playing chess with somebody at the time. <laughs> and so that was his Romo memory was that he met Romo, but Romo never looked up with his phone because he was engaged in a chess match on his phone. So Romo is clearly very serious about 
I mean, the, the whole thing about chess, the reason people play it is because it teaches you to think ahead. It teaches you to think four or five moves ahead. So it's a strategy game, right? And it can train your brain to do certain things. And Rummo's approach to football and reading defenses and all these kinds of things is very much aligned with how you would look at a chess match. I love it. And, dude, he he loves competing all the time. Mm-hmm. But I can't believe they just wheeled in the number 12 chess champ of the United States and he's just going toe-to-toe with him. Now, he, if those of you may not know this, some of you may know, some don't. He loves to play Madden. And so he'll go get on Madden and he'll go he'll go play people and try to create unique ways to make it interesting for him because no one can hang with him. It's think about how unfair that is. Mm-hmm. You know, because he knows exactly what you're trying to do offensively and defensively. They say he's even better at defense than he is at offense in Madden. And a lot of times he'll just play defense and then when you punt the ball to him, he'll punt it right back to you. He won't even play offense just to keep it close. Right. Like he's that good. Uh so man, it's just uh I, I enjoyed that story as well. And then one last thing uh, from the broadcast, and I was totally wrong about this, and a lot of people were wrong about it, but I think it has to do with when something happens and you have the the way you receive the information, if you think that it's uh, helping a narrative that you believe in or whatever, you kind of hear what you want to hear. When Romo said that he thought that, uh, that Jason Garrett's footprints were all over this offense, I immediately thought, okay, that is not complimentary in any way. In fact, I tweeted those exact words. That was not a compliment in any way. And didn't Dez think the same, right? Dez thought the exact same thing. Uh, Several people did. I think it was Ari Temkin was the one guy who was like, no, I think it was a compliment. Well, I did find out, and I can confirm without any any, uh, confusion here whatsoever, Mm -hmm. that it was meant to be complimentary. He was complimenting Garrett. He was complimenting... Uh, throwing the ball downfield. Now, we're all stuck in the current Garrett mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, my God, it's so freaking conservative. It's such a beating. But Romo was kind of, I think, hearkening back to a day in which they threw the ball around quite a bit. Uh, and so that's what that was referencing. I thought what Romo s- said without saying it was the offense is fine. They just need to tighten up things situationally, which is what's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. 17 first round uh, down runs in that game. And you were getting 2.9 yards per carry. And they ran the ball a lot on first down because they were trying to protect Dak, but they were really doing the opposite of that by creating second and third and longs. So that's, I mean, I think I, th- I, I could understand though, where, because it was kind of a vague thing. Well, yeah. when we went and looked up the offenses from those years, they were very dynamic and he threw for a lot of touchdowns. They were swinging right. it, yeah. yeah. I can tell you without any guesswork. That's what he was saying. He was trying to be complimentary. So How about he, that? So he wasn't dogpiling. So to avoid any confusion, so, he was trying to be complimentary. So in uh, summary, contract extension for Garrett? Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.